This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two fantastic human beings, Nick White. Hey, guys. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. I am in a new apartment, which is why I wasn't here last week. No, I was actually in Michigan. It's a whole bunch of things. I've been moving and my brain is all over the place. I don't know where this show actually takes place anymore or how it takes place or who's on the show. What are we doing? Who's on the show again? Say hello. Say your name again. No, kidding. Um, it's so all a figment of your imagination. I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> this is the I Read Comic Books podcast. Um, so Nick and Kate, how have you been? How have comics been? I'm, how have I'm you like, been? Jesus. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I just bought a bunch of comics on that image sale and my wallet is very empty. Like there's a literal moth who now lives in my wallet. Uh, <laughs> I'm staring at a single dollar bill that's sitting on my desk and I'm like, I could spend you on a comic book today. Uh, <laughs> Don't so, make me do it. <laughs> Nick, uh, how have you been? How have comic books been? uh comics have been good um i definitely will second your um thoughts on that image sale image is like uh comiXology is like i'm gonna make you spend your money and i'm like it doesn't take that much for you to do that that's not really a challenge uh that's not difficult comiXology is like uh try me bitch and uh, was like, how about 60% off all image books? And I'm like, oh, fine. And I was like, 65. And I'm like, I need constraint. And it's like, okay, so like no shadow line and no skybound. I'm like, that's not constraint. <laughs> that's like putting like a single chain fence across like a track. And here comes like the like Mad Max, like Land Rover post-apocalyptic vehicle, 500 miles an hour <laughs> smashing through. It's like... That's like that's not restraint, people. Okay, and um, so things got bad. It got even worse because like um, I was like, oh look, Chew is part of this, and it's really on sale. And there's uh, so, so much of it. There's so much of it, and I went back, and even worse, I had the number one um, of Chew like from a sampler sale, and I was like, oh my gosh, this book is like really, really good, and we'll talk about that later. Things got out of hand. Um, in terms of reading, uh, which I slightly had a bit more of a handle on, I did get around to a few things. I read Little Nemo Return to Slumberland. This was the trade paperback Ooh, because yes. uh, it was finally on sale. Yeah, and this book was kind of ridiculously overpriced otherwise. Uh, Eric Shanauer writing. He's probably best known for his work on the Oz books that Scotty Young uh, illustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gabriel Rodriguez on art. Uh, who is, of course, best known for Lock and Key. Um, I really, really liked this book a lot. I, I was a little bit familiar with Little Nemo. He's actually pretty well known in my area because it's reported, there are some reports that he grew up in Canada, thanks a lot, Canada, um, but that he actually grew up and was born in Spring Lake. Again, this is the guy who created Little, uh, Little Nemo himself. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was like Little Nemo himself grew yeah, up? Yeah, Little he, Nemo, fictional <laughs> character. he lived in Russia or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. This this is the creator. And, then, of course, Little Nemo started out as a turn-of-the-20th-century um, comic strip that went on, I think, for probably close to 20 years. Uh, and it was really well-known for um, putting out this regular, colorized, creative, well-drawn strip um, that appealed, really, to kids and adults alike and had some super creative panel work, perspective work. Uh, it was really, really fantastic. Um, and uh, Shanauer and Rodriguez really pull off uh, a thematically, narratively, visually great homage to that original strip. 
Uh, it's remarkably in touch with the source material. It's delightfully trippy, disorienting, and bright. It's it's all over the place, and it's sort of a fusion between McKay's very odd uh, panel structures uh, and and layouts that we might consider a bit more conventional today, but at the time they were pretty unique. Uh, and it's sort of a fusion of that with like some M.C. Escher crazy architecture. Um, like some weird visual things where like you have like birds flying in the sky but like the the outlines around the birds form like another outline next to them of like fishes so it's like uh, it's it's a lot of that weird sort of image um, confusing magic eye MC Escher you know toying with your brain shit uh, and it's really really great um, and what I really like is that the book thematically also follows, each issue sort of follows the general structure of the Little Nemo comic strip, which of course is this sort of beat-by-beat -beat pattern of uh, little uh, Nemo's trying to go to bed, he can't get to bed, uh, he finally falls asleep, and then the people are like, yo, we're taking you to, to Slumberland, and he's like, I don't want to go, this is kind of like harassment, and they're like, too bad. <laughs> and then in some weird, fantastical way, either, like, like a huge water gust, you know, shows up and, like, pushes him out of the bed, or the bed sprouts legs and they start marching out of the room, or in some weird fashion he finds his way to slumberland, and things escalate to a point where things get really dangerous, or, like, he's on a magic carpet, whole new world, uh, Aladdin, blah, 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 and falls off, and he's, like, plummeting towards the earth, and then he wakes up and he falls out of his bed, and he's like, whoa, that was a close one. I hope I don't have to face my impending mortality anytime soon again. Oh, wait, probably in 24 hours. <laughs> and um, so basically this book is a fucked up Groundhog's Day for kids. This book is Groundhog's <laughs> Day for children. Okay? Like it's it is such a good book though. Like you make it sound so bleak, but it is like the most cheerful book ever. It is. It is. <laughs> if, you, it's really, if you take you even know, just a small step back though and look at it, that's totally what the book is. It's just a fucked up Groundhog's Day. <laughs> it's Groundhog's Day for kids. Um but beat for beat, really enjoyable. Liked it a lot. Um I don't know if they're ever gonna do more with it, but that would be fantastic. Um other people were like, hey, Nick, uh, you're done with all of that run of the massive. How about you read something new? And I was like, how about I go find another book by the same creative team? Don't tell me what to do, okay? <laughs> I do what I want. Um, I go on but kicks of course, like that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't, but of course, let's be honest? It's like, come on. Uh, I was actually going to go spread my wings and go find something new and expand my horizon, but not anymore. <laughs> Um, but I was already already reading Black Road at the time, which is a Brian Wood, um, Gary Brown uh, work for Image, and yeah, it's about Vikings, which of course you know Brian Wood already has, has experience with with uh, Northlanders. Um, but it's not so much action fueled as it is more of a look at a lightly, from my limited understanding, a lightly historically based idea of when Christianity showed up in Scandinavia and sort of the political power, um, you know, infighting that occurred because of that and, and all of the different dynamics of, you know, proselytizing via religion and and whatnot. And it's 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 definitely interesting. Um, this book does something really, really interesting, though, with its cover design, though, um, which is that um, the four names of the creators, which, of course, I can't remember the colorist now, go figure, but it's, you know, it's uh, Gary Brown, um, Brian Wood, uh, Steve Wands on lettering. They just have their names on the cover in, like, a two-by-two two sort of, like, grid in the middle, and with every issue, they actually switch up and change the positionings of the names. 
So the huh. letterer might be listed first on one issue, and then the writer might be listed first on the next issue. Uh, they just keep jumbling it up every issue. And it's, I only noticed this recently, but it's definitely interesting. And you can say, well, does this really matter? But all you have to remember is all of the insane fighting over at DC Comics about when and how and just how they're going to go about crediting um, colorists on the cover from three or four years ago to realize yeah. that this is still um, an issue. Uh but I thought that was cool. Part of me was like, uh, there might be some people who go to pick up this issue and are like, who's this new writer? But um, <laughs> I'd like oh, to I, think people are I like, I never considered Look. that. Yeah, but I'd like to think people are like, look, the cover looks like the last cover. The book's titled like the same book. It's from the same publisher. Context clues. Um, so yeah, I thought that was kind of creative and, and, a, and, a, and a nice gesture on their part to sort of be like, you know, everybody matters, I guess. Totally. It's it's superficial, Nick. It's pacifying the masses. I don't care. Um, I read Future Quest Ten. I'm still coming to terms with the fact that Doc Shaner isn't fully drawing every issue. Um, I'm sort of at peace with that now, and I think it's because with this issue, Ron Randall did the art, and I still prefer, like, in order, probably Doc Shaner, and then Steve Rude, and then Ron Randall. But I think what made this issue a little bit more palatable was that it was Ron Randall from end to end. Like, it wasn't like some of the past issues where it's like, Doc Shaner's going to draw the first three pages. Why? (laughs) Don't even bother at that point. Um, But it was all Ron Randall from end to end, and uh, I think that made things a lot easier, um, even though their styles are obviously all kind of similar. Not to a point that I obviously, you know, don't have preferences, but... um, One of the few other things I want to bring up is Britannia, We Who Are About to Die. Um, This, of course, is the sequel to the original Britannia, which made made it all the way to, count them, I believe, 10 reprintings, which was insane. Yeah. Uh, This is Peter Milligan. Is that because Valiant, partially at least because Valiant prints such tiny amounts in each run? Oh, it's definitely, you're you're not wrong. I definitely think some of that is attributed to the fact that um, these were probably pretty small printings. Well, because they're like, here's here's 50 more guys. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. And we're now on our 800th printing. What? (laughs) Come on. So, yeah. Um, This, of course, is the sequel to last year's Britannia, which is their kind of sword and sandal adventure book um, taking place in ancient Rome. Um, We have Antonius Axia as the main character again after his non-voluntary all-expenses-paid trip to the hellhole that was Britannia. I didn't say is, I said was. Britannia uh, (laughs) didn't turn out that great. Uh, And as I wrote in here, uh, it made him privy to the fact that it's not just the cuisine one has to look out for. Zing! There we go. Obligatory (laughs) British cuisine joke. Um, Of course. (laughs) Nothing to do with the comic book. No, no, no. Don't bring up the comic book. Let's just make a a modern Peter Milligan's Peter Milligan is British, okay, so let's not yeah, let that yeah. go un- unnoted. Um, so we find out that the kid that we thought was his nephew is actually his son, and it had to do with some weird memory repression. Oh, well, who cares? And that's not important. Anyway, so the whole deal here is that Nero is continuing to, um, as I wrote, uh, be the current front runner for being the one step closer to the edge. I'm about to break winner. And he sees some weird weather omens and the deaths of some um, 
youths of some elite families as, you know, impending omens that things are going bad in the uh, Roman Empire, and he sends Axia, who's the world's first d detectorist, as, as he's known, to sort of sniff out what's going on, because, of course, the more unstable Nero gets, then Nero goes and he kills the Vestal Virgins who are supposed to be, you know, making the gods happy, and then when they're gone, they're the ones who are protecting Antonius Axia from Nero, who also wants him dead. Um, who said Roman politics were simple? Um, I mean, I guess no one did. I really don't think anyone's going to be like, uh, someone did. No, no one did. Uh, and here's proof that things are definitely complicated. Um, but it's got some funny moments. Axia's son is like, Dad, all of the other kids are making fun of me because you won't let me go sacrifice this chicken at the temple to appease the gods. And and he's like, yeah, I told you, like, weather patterns come and go. Like, this is not a, like, deity thing. And, and then his son is like, yeah, and that's why the other kids are making fun of me. Like, this isn't cool. And their dads think you're weird, too. So, um, science, uh, uh, you're going to get ridiculed. Uh, yep. Beyond that, there's a whole plot line with a female gladiator, but we really haven't been able to wrap that into the main story yet. She's been kicking ass, but there's not much else to say about it. Um, and I read Chew, number one, as I said earlier, which is fantastic. Bird flu apparently is rampant. Chicken becomes the newest black market product. Guy is able to eat things and determine where they've been and what they've done. Really enjoyed it. Really engaging, energetic, uh, animated artwork by Rob Guillory. And yeah. that's what I've yeah. been reading. So, uh, yeah, we will all be expecting your book on the series Britannia coming later this year. Yeah, uh, no, like, what was the last <laughs> book you read which has a four-page academic essay by a University of St. Andrews lecturer on gladiator battles in the back? Every issue of Britannia, the original run, had a full academic essay about Rome in the back, and it was definitely awesome. approachable shit, too. Yeah, 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 it was really cool. Uh yeah, what, what about you, Kate? I read a bunch this week, and most of it is Mike's fault. Um, yes. Let's, let's start with okay. Every, okay. everything that's his fault. Uh, X-Men Gold 3 and 4. Uh, X-Men Blue <laughs> Which one is which again? Please remind three. me. Gold is Kitty Pride, and okay. she's crushing it, and it's awesome. And that's Gold the controversial one, right? She, no, right. she's... Yeah, that was the one that had the controversial art. She's leading yep. a team of, like, old-school X-Men to save the world. Yeah, Which one is the book with the ones that were time jumped? Uh, Blue is okay. X Men. Blue is Jean Grey and crew. Uh, Kitty, the kitties with their Jamie McKelvey uh, uniform redesigns, which are mm -hmm. awesome. Okay. And they're like, um, I've she's like, well, I've seen Magneto's mind, and he's a super good guy now, so we're gonna work for him. And kind this of. Definitely, uh, uh, there's Kate. There's there's just I, there's, I mean, snap on. snap nuance, cut over to Magneto when he's still wearing the helmet, and everyone's like, what? <laughs> we don't do nuance oh. on IRBC. Yes, I know. There's more to it than that. Um, that book's awesome. And then Generation X is the one with Jubilee leading her team of students. Leading teaching, I don't. They're not really a team, but anyway, that one's awesome. Except I don't like the art. It's everything I want, except I want a different artist. Yeah. Which um, one? So Generation what exactly X. did you read? So yeah. So what all did you read? Sorry, we interrupted you in the middle of speaking, Nick. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> X Men Gold three and four, X Men Blue two and three, and Generation X number one. Yeah, good stuff. Solid stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then I finished the uh, Batman Flash event, uh, crossover event, The Button, mm. which... So did I. I mean, I liked it. I was happy I read read it. 
the the end reveal of who was behind all these things was like I'm shocked because there was really only one person it could be, right? Yeah. And man, how many times does the Flash's uh, little treadmill thing break down? Because I feel like in real life there would be an angry Amazon review about you know like this falls apart every freaking time I use it. I get stranded in alternate timelines. What the hell? Give me my money. One out of five. One one yes, out of five exactly. stars. Um, Two out of five, when it does work, it's really nice, though. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, like, that that seller response that's all, like, overly polite. Like, well, sir, um, if you'd read the fine pr- the fine text yeah, yeah, before yeah, you yeah. purchased it, you would have seen it's uh, get, uh, insured up to 50 miles an hour, and you're clocking, like, 5,000. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that. And I have not moved past that yet. I'm... Looking forward to uh, Batman. What is it? Twenty three now, just because of the name. With the the shoot, what was the delightful pun they did with the swamp? The thing? swamp thing one. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like uh, the brave, the brave in, the mold. in the mold. Yeah, I loved I'll, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I actually read, read that, that as well. I need um, to read that. Everyone is saying it's Eisner worthy already. Yeah, like, totally. Okay. It's very very good. Swamp very is good. the best. Uh. So then my last one was Batwoman number three. This is the book by Marguerite Bennett and James Tinian and with Steve Epting art. And I got uh, the J.G. Jones variant cover, which is gorgeous. Ooh. So this is The Many Arms of Death, part three. Um, for those of you not reading this so far, first of all, go pick up one through three and the rebirth issue. It's wonderful. Also but spoilers, also, maybe. <laughs> what why i don't know how how deep into the spoilers you're gonna get that's all oh no i'll keep it spoiler free so this this current run so far is like bats has assigned uh kate kane to go hunt down the seller of that monster serum remember that night of the monster men thing way back when um yeah. so she takes her trusty butler sidekick julia pennyworth um who's alfred's daughter Yep. To go to go do this, and they have like the exact same dynamic as Batman and Alfred, except slightly different. Um, doesn't that help? I there you uh, go. <laughs> I mean, um, Alfred was also kind of a dad, which yeah, I assume. No, she's, I no, she's not. not to that's be what like, I mean, slightly Batman different. But the big thing, number one. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, the big thing. So my favorite. There's so many idiot boy complaints on the internet right now about this sure. series because naturally, but my, one of my favorite ones <laughs> is Julia Pennyworth is so dumb. She's just a person uh, for Kate's expository dialogue God. to pounce off of and have all the tech solutions. I'm like, what the Jesus. hell do you think Alfred does? It's right. like he's literally just there in the earpiece for Batman to tell what tell you what's going on and he comes up like oh now that's shut down nope now you're getting picked up now you know like all that stuff so that's basically what she does she runs banter right and then so that led them to Coriana which is like this criminal island haven where Batwoman it turns out spent her lost years quote unquote between getting kicked out of the military under don't ask don't tell and becoming Batwoman and we get this whole backstory about how this woman there rescued her and she was like the crime lord there and she rescued her and Batwoman did some possibly questionable things. We don't know yet, but it's been, a, it keeps getting hmm. brought up. So, but who, like when evil people are saying you did evil stuff, is it true? I don't know. But one of them, the knife, keeps trying to kill her because reasons of stuff that Kate did back in the day, but we don't know what she did yet. So who knows? Yet. Um, they've basically, yeah. 
we've basically had the same fight between the three of them, or the two of them three times now, <laughs> which, I mean, that oh happens in Batman books too. That was my big beef with um, Bane, is like, really? You just, each issue you fight the same person, over and over. And I guess, I don't know, this comes back to me just not liking punchy books. And Batwoman... I think does it great because you'll get like four pages of it instead of 20 so that's awesome Mm -hmm. but at this point when you still don't really know why the baddie's going after them after the third fight maybe you should clue us in a a little more at that point i don't know i don't want to be knocking on this book because i really like it so far i think they're just being realistic about expository dialogue instead of the uh we are in the middle of a fight but i am about to deliver a four paragraph treatise on which you (laughs) and i are enemies before you tell us what you think they're doing Uh have you read it that sounds unreasonable. No. Um, <laughs> okay, no, okay. Not, yeah, I yeah, know. There is a shit ton of expository stuff in this book. They're like, let us pause for 10 pages while we do nonstop background and all flashbacks. And, flashbacks. Yeah. and they're gorgeous because they do them all in like black, white, gray, gray tone and red, with red highlights. And it's awesome and it's wonderful. Yeah. So it's not like they're not giving us tons of background already on other stuff. We just don't really know. But also, that's the whole point of the mystery, right? You're trying to figure out what's going on. But, anywho, that's that's where I'm at. So then she's in, in the island's getting bought up by this evil development for even evil development purposes. Evil layer gentrification. Evil, it's evil happening corp, everywhere. Evil corp for evil purposes, right? And so yeah. in issue three, she meets the biz heads, the business heads, uh, elder and younger, who are creepy twins. And there's this really excellent uh, little little clip where. Um, Julia's playing creepy twin bingo, and she there's like this little exchange between them, and then she go, it's cut to her and her jet or whatever she's in at that point, and she's like, oh, marks off the creepy incest vibe, you know, spot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yep, every time with these things. So there's some reveals that happen. Uh, the biggest one that's not really a reveal is bombs everywhere, and so then she has to go off and well, they're everywhere. Anyway, that's the whole thing. So, and then the other big thing on the on the onlines with these people is like, I get that she's gay, but why does she have to be in a relationship with every female character in the book? I'm like, oh, let's. Well, for starters, she isn't. Yeah, she's not though. She's like, there's so plenty why, of women that she's not dating in this book. In, in fact, all all but one. Right. So <laughs> why why are you assuming that her talking to a female means they're together or flirting? I think this this is a question that just is returned is that with a question, right? Is not how right? female interaction I'm... works? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I... See, that's just what I always see, assume. But by, but I mean, see, the thing is, Kate, let me mansplain this know. to you. A relationship can mean anything. Even just a friendship or even acquaintanceship is considered mm-hmm. a relationship mm-hmm. when you think about it. Um... Oh, there was this, this, this <laughs> whole big long comment that I read because I hate myself. I don't know. I was... Yeah. Re- you know how you forget what's happened in a book and you go back and read like a plot summary, except that sometimes you click on a dude bro summary it's and someone you just else's and you're like, yourself. did we read the same book? Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's like, I'm fine with her being gay as long as she's not gay in the story. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, as long as there's been, that was like, gay. 
like just she keep can it be a gay yourself. character. Exactly. We just don't want to see it, Basically. man. Like this book should be don't ask, don't tell. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I prefer my characters to be like Schrodinger's gay, right? They may they or may not be. If she we'll would never just put everything know. back in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Jesus. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah. I'm like, clearly you are not this book's demographic and you should just go away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Batwoman's wonderful. Support it because lots of people aren't. And it's an amazing ugh. book. It is a it fantastic is a, comic book. If if you only read it for Steve Epting's art, yeah, do it. But it do doesn't. It. But at the same time, you've got like two top notch writers on this book. Yeah, it's Epting, so who has, or, or, sorry, uh, Tinian, who has like a huge backlog of fantastic, like well regarded, highly respected books, and then Marguerite Bennett, who is a top notch DC writer in general, like. Her bombshells is fantastic. So I, everyone can just fuck off. This book is amazing. Well, yeah, and they're both coming with huge <laughs> tops to this. Hulk like Bennett's quote. been writing Kane for forever, and then Tinian's been writing Batman stuff for forever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is super solid. It's everything personally I want from a Bat book, where you get a little bit of fighting, but with lots of detective and mystery solving and capery type stuff with all the gadgets and I'm like there's this one point in issue three where to get away from the fight with the knife like she's escaping right she jumps off a building you know opens the arms the wings come out and these freaking shoulder blades pop out it's boss it's like the the what should be just a metal part holding the two wings together like across her collarbone Mm -hmm. except instead of just being a metal strap or like brace it's blades Awesome. Blades, dude. And she's just like diving down with them. And it is, yeah, exactly. What else could you want? Just, I don't know. Get out. So how about you, Mike? Oh, I read a whole bunch of stuff. Um, sorry, I'm trying to pull up some information now that we're about to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I read, uh, let's see, I read X-Men Blue, number three and four, the end of the arc of quote unquote arc one with Nimrod in this series, kind of slight spoilers there. Um, I guess we knew it was all about Sentinels, whatever, but X-Men Blue number three was all about Sentinels, and the arc kind of ended after three issues, which I thought was interesting, but that's that's the team just, you know, laying down uh, a bunch of uh, subplot for later so that eventually the the Sentinels can come back, and arc number... Let me quick roll out the Mike X-Men scorecard real quick here. So, which one at present is the best X-Men book, Mike? Oh, man. Okay, so... I still think that X-Men Gold is the best X book that you can read right now. I think Gen X, once it starts to warm up, will probably be the better teen drama book if you're into that. But overall, X-Men Gold is going to be your best pure, like, old-style X-Men. If you're just buying one, buy X-Men Gold. That's actually a great way to put it. If you want a little bit of extra of the same stuff, but from, like, a different, younger perspective, X-Men Blue... If you want some teen drama, a la something like Archie, or if you if you like old style new X Men Academy X, I would say read Generation X. And if you're looking for old style X Force that Craig Kyle and Chris Yost did for a little while um, with Wolverine and his Kill Team, I would say pick up Weapon X because that's what that book's gonna turn into. And as yeah, more okay. X Men books come out, I'll tell you more. But I mean, Jean Grey is kind of your standalone. If you liked X Men Blue and you want more of Jean Grey, get the Jean Grey book. And this week we have Cable coming out, but I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. I'm only so, reading four of them, and Gold, I would definitely <laughs> say, is my favorite. Yeah. I yeah. only. If you're looking for one where you get to play Where's Waldo and look for hidden propaganda put in by the artist, X-Men Gold. <laughs> nah, we that moved only on to happened new in the first now. issue. That yeah. only happened in the first issue. 
Who's the uh, and new artist again? But they're on by four. Their their books are already going. I, I can't remember who the artist I is. I, I've read those a few weeks ago. Um, so I read X-Men Blue 3 and 4. This new arc with number four with Wolverine's son, question mark, from another universe. Um, this is just plain plain X-Men. It's just plain old, good old-fashioned X-Men because everything's got to be ridiculous and out there. So dig in X-Men Blue. <laughs> Uh, I read Jughead 15, which does not have... Uh, is Mark Wade and Ian Flynn on writing? Ryan North left after the last issue with J- Derek Charm still on art. Uh, this book is still fun. It's still Jughead. Uh, it's, what is it with these Archie books getting hyper-rotational lately? I, I don't know what it is. I think I mean, you think about it. Uh, Ryan North was on for six issues. He did an arc, and then he moved. I think you got to think, this is how a lot of other, you know, this is how Marvel used to work. This is how DC used to work, where people would rotate out every arc or so. Um, yeah. And so I think Archie is just holding on to that, with Mark Wade kind of being the staple, because he's still mm-hmm. on Archie. And so they're creating this cohesive new wave of, of Archie universe, which I definitely enjoy. And so Jughead 15 is good. There's some fun stuff with Josie and the Pussycats, and everyone loves Jughead because of a magical wish cast by Sabrina. So it's uh, <laughs> it's fun I can see stuff. why you like these books. They're just as fucking insane as your X-Men books. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I, read the, I read The Wicked and the Divine 455, and I don't think I can say much more than what Tia said last week, I believe. Um, this book is fucking insane. Fucking insane. That's the only thing I could say. And it, it adds a layer of just brutal violence to the entire story um, that we really have only started to see the beginnings of in the, in the ongoing story. So this one shot adds this new layer of like really bad shit can happen. And here is an example. And it's awesome. I uh, really, really dug the one shot more than I have the previous specials. So if this is the direction that this book is going, I'm really excited for the hyperviolence to kick into like hyperdrive. Um, <laughs> speaking of violence, I also read The Punisher number 12. Matt Horick's art is still fantastic. Becky Cloonan's writing is still fucking top notch. This is this issue was all punches and punches and punches and punches and punches on an iceberg. Because why the fuck not? Like the the Punisher after the ongoing story has found himself um on an iceberg after he caused a boat to sink in the middle of the ocean um, and all sorts of, or he, I don't think he caused the boat to sink, but he fell off of this boat and he's fighting against this super drug-addled, like overpowered, crossed-esque um, villain that is a person that he knew from his past and it's just punches. It's so good. This, is this book is at 100% all the time, 110% this issue and I, I really love it. Horrocks art has been top-notch since he took over. I definitely enjoy it. Uh, but finally, the other thing I read was an independent book from Frankenstein Comics called The Mark. Um, it's originally written by Ed Eric Grissom, and it was adapted by Claire Connolly, who also did Black Eyes, a book that I mentioned a while ago that I really enjoyed. Um, there's no real dialogue in, in The Mark. It's a story about a man who gets a mark on his hand and it, like he essentially becomes cursed and it's the the original story was like a poem it seems like and Claire Connolly ad- adapted it into a like a, an artist or took the poem and you get a page of the poem and then you get a page of her art and it's really really creatively done um, I, I really enjoy her art so I picked this up immediately and yeah it's just a fun little one-off if you need something fresh and new and super independent I highly recommend the mark 
Um, and I highly recommend anything that Claire Connolly's done. Her art is superb. Uh, she's, I don't know what it is. I've, I picked up Black Eyes on a whim, and now I'm like addicted to everything that she does. So the Mark, super, super top notch. I think it's a, a dollar on Comixology. But that's me. Anyways, comic books come out on May 31st, 2017. What are you both excited for? Let's start with Kate. I am super looking forward to Bitch Planet Volume 2, President Woo. Bitch. Woo. It has been Woo. a year and a Woo. half since Volume 1 came out. I barely remember this book. I am doing, yeah, exactly. I don't, how do these things stay alive? How does people follow in single issues when there's these big delays? But you reread every month when the new issue comes out. I'll tell you that. If you do what I'm about to do, which is sit down with the volume one, reread it, and prep for volume two. But this is the book with Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, writing it, Valentine DeLandro on art and colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick. Volume two is six through ten in the land of backstories, where we go back and look at what happened on Earth to create this new world order that's come to pass in the in the comic. So I don't know. I have heard pros and cons from people reading singles. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's good. If it's like a bummer. And then it's another year and a half before volume three. This will probably be my last volume. So I'm hoping it's good. It's good. Okay. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> I feel I just say that. reassured. Nick, what about you? Uh, well, as Kate was saying that, I was just thinking that someone who has a literary review column should probably call it pros, P-R-O-S-E, and cons. That's what's going through my head right now. Get, so, out, of, um, get out of here with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If, if it hasn't been done yet, um, look, I don't want to write that column personally. So if you want to buy the rights from me, <laughs> it's um, out there. I can tell you a t- really terrible thing that exists, Nick. Uh, so PR people like on Twitter frequently use the hashtag when they're talking to each other and talking about PR stuff. They'll hashtag PROS, but capitalized P and R so that it's pros but it's pr hmm. pros get it get it yeah it oh makes God. me a little nauseous Oof, gross. <laughs> yeah. get that out of here get yeah out. get that yeah. corn out of my face so i had another book written and then i went online and then my pull list site was like hey remember a bunch of that stuff you had now it's like to be declared and i think it's because this is one of those weird months with five wednesdays where it just literally gets all fucky Sure. Um, so I'd go back and sort things out, but I'm excited for Violent Love Volume One. So like Kate, it's another image trade. Um, uh, Violent Love Volume One, Stay Dangerous. It's written by uh, the writer that I've written as being quote flagrantly unadulterated. I guess I just quoted myself in only two words. What underrated. Flagrantly underrated. Underrated. Yep. Okay, I just want to make yep. sure. Writer un- unadulterated is what you said. <laughs> <I just> yeah. <laughs> uh, Barbary wrote Five Ghosts for Image. He wrote The Revisionist for Aftershock. Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. for Marvel. Um, really great writer. He teams up with Victor Santos of Mice Templar, um, who also worked with Barbary on Black Market. Um, and it's really, on a basic level, from what I've read, a tale of two bank robbers named Daisy Jane and Rock Bradley. So they've got the names of American news anchors, essentially, slash porn stars. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they like to rob banks. And uh, I wrote here, because, again, I'm quoting myself because I want you to know how terrible I am uh, as a person. Yeah. Uh, after knocking over banks, they found themselves um, 
knocking over each other's hearts. There's your oh. movie poster. Oh, Nick. Line. <laughs> Let me try again. They were drawn to each other due to their shared interests and felonious activities. There we go. That's way better. I like that. I, don't know. I like that one. The likes of which must almost certainly end with them dying an unceremonious death. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. It obviously looks like a Bonnie and Clyde setup, right? Which begs the question of, and partially why I'm reading it, how long can you draw this book out before you end up killing them? And yeah, so I'm... uh. I'm curious to see what sort of suspension of disbelief can result in this book maybe going on for a certain, you know, length of issues. So I hope they just the get captured right away. On. They get captured <laughs> right away and the whole series is actually about them getting like separately interrogated it's and trying trial. to turn against each other. Yeah. yeah issues <laughs> Who, issues two through five first? are just like a court process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's really a court procedural. You're yeah, I wanted yeah. like a bank heist book and it turns into a procedural and it's like and then Ice T shows up in issue three and mm -hmm. he's like yep. all these people they're knocking over banks these days. They call it bank robbing or something you know the I, whole yes. ice tea meme whatever yes. yeah. i want i want the sound effects like you know how you get like a snicked and a boom on the written out i want there to be the law and order dun dun on there yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. oh yeah written on the page okay you're welcome so copyright yeah. i don't think they could do that <laughs> what, what about you mike oh i am uh, I, as i said before i'm excited for cable number one this week and in my notes i just said yeah what of it um, because I feel like everyone's just... It has been this many days since the last Cable book. I think the last... I mean, honestly, the la the last few times I've been on the show, it's just been X-Men books as my picks. Um, and I don't feel bad about that at all. Uh, this is written by James Robertson with art by Carlos Pacheco. Or Pacheco. I guess Cable is in the wild, wild west, and I capitalized those Ws. And he's preventing mm. time from unraveling, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because it's X-Men, right? And I have no idea what the fuck this book could potentially be because this is not what I would immediately think of when you tell me, oh, there's a book about Cable. And he's... I, I would never put him like in the wild time wild traveled West. into the future. Well, he, yeah, I mean, but, if we're going to go back to, like, why that happened. After Messiah oh no. Complex... Yeah, now you've opened <laughs> this chest. Uh, after no. Messiah Complex, his, his time travel thing, his body slide time traveler thing uh, was broken. He can only travel forward, and that's why he had to raise hope in the super far future. Um, but in this, I don't know, somehow he's back and he's in the wild, wild west and I have no idea why. I know that he did get his like chronal displacer fixed, um, a while ago and during Cable and X-Force, I believe, which is a book written by Dennis Hopeless. I'd like to see the Amazon reviews on this chronal displacer. Yeah. I, four, to, <laughs> four out of five stars. Um, because you get to see the future. Uh, so this is, <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of this book. I'm going to try it like all the X-Men number ones. I'm going to try it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I uh, okay. I don't know how to feel about this book because I do love Cable as a character, but I feel like this book is already set up for failure. So <laughs> we'll see. Oh, uh, this is a weird book. He's in the Wild Wild West. It makes no sense, right? Right? Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cable especially silence. in the Wild West. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about just testosterone-fueled characters that are prone to shooting people in the streets and egregious acts of violence, it sounds like a place for him. That's true. Sure. Did, I mean, I guess people in the Wild Wild West I, did have I extra power. might be a little has, bit too much at home there. I hope he, he now has an armed musket, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's just, like, two full pages of him reloading. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Did you know that May is Lupus Awareness Month? 
People between the ages of 18 and 34 are at the greatest risk of developing lupus, but less than 30% of Americans this age know what lupus is. Early treatment saves lives, so it's important to know the symptoms of lupus and seek help right away if you develop them. Some common symptoms of lupus include a butterfly-shaped rash across the cheeks and nose, extreme fatigue, painful joints, fever, unexplained swelling, hair loss, and mouth or nose ulcers. For a complete list of symptoms and how to find out how you can help, please visit the Lupus Foundation of America online at lupus.org. Our show this week is a Goodreads read all about a specific comic book. And this week, this month, I should say, our book of the month was Witches by Scott Snyder and Jock. And let me say before we get started, full spoilers for Witches, something that we rarely tell you until about 10 minutes into the discussion. So this week I thought I would get ahead of the game. Good job. I think that's the first time we've remembered right away. Right, right. So I say we, you, you remember. Yes, me. It's always me. I forgot still. Uh, But this, but our show this week, you know, we want to talk all about Scott Snyder and Jock's witches with colors by Matt Hollingsworth, if I'm not mistaken. Now I feel like Mm -hmm. everyone's everyone's on the on pressure, but um, yeah, this this book uh, is very interesting. There's a lot to be said. I think this is one of those books that always we always bring up on the show, and. It's something that I constantly say, I haven't read it, and I have no plans to read it. And of course, I didn't really have any plans to read this book until it was selected for the Goodreads group. So thank you, all of you at the Goodreads group, for making my nightmares come true. Um, <laughs> I was actually, I'm I was terribly scared of this comic book, actually. I mean, like in a genuine, I read the little preview thing where, you know, that the, the guy, he like goes to his sister's house, and then she passes out, and she's pledged, and or that her child is pledged or something, and like that bit of art that we saw, which is in the back of the collected digital edition that I read, um, was what I thought the book was going to be like, and it fucking terrified me. Things like that <laughs> scare the ever-living shit out of me, so like I can't watch Paranormal Activity movies, even though I've seen them all. I can't watch like 28 Days Later, <laughs> like we get this, that, that, that sense of like something in the background that you're not supposed to look at, or like it, you know, you're looking at a wide image and then something moves really suddenly, like that totally just scares me to death so reading this book was awful uh, what did you guys think <laughs> on I a high level book. i want to throw out there that the goodreads crew right now like our voting contingent must really love horror books because this was i think the fourth horror book we've read yeah, so far absolutely so, sabrina um hero county, Harrow county. Uh, lock and key lock and, and key witches. yeah and witches this is insane yep. we, we need yep. to lay off we need something happy what what you horror comics are yourselves. the best but yeah no i think like everything up for for june right now except for one is a cape so totally totally different vibe that's fine yep it's summer summer it's reading. true yeah it's true nick nick what did you think of this i know you've read this before and i know you've been championing it for a while yeah uh you know, people are like, Nick White, what an OG, talks about it all the time. Uh, I'm sorry it's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you've oh, mentioned man. it only Nick a handful White. of times. I know that you, you have this love of Scott Snyder and Jock, which is understandable yeah. given, their, given their Black Mirror book that they did, The Dark Knight, The Black Mirror. But um, yep, yep. sorry, not to interrupt any further. 
No, no, no. Uh, interrupting's my favorite. Uh, I do it enough to other people, so I, you know, uh, you probably at least have like five or more punches on your punch card of like you need to interrupt Nick White before the end of the year or this card expires. So I mean, uh, um, it's it's overdue, really. Um, <laughs> podcast infighting aside, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> everything's the, fine. Mommy and Daddy are okay. The fighting <laughs> isn't from isn't from Mike. It's like the side eye uh, subtweeting from Xander the day after. That's like yeah. you're just like cautiously <laughs> hitting. Uh, refresh to see yeah you can you can delete my uh, anxious hole digging here um (laughs) that being said yes uh i have read this book before i did read this book in singles i have the first printing in singles read it as it came out was very excited for this book um and yes so i originally read it in singles i think a couple of the issues were delayed here and there so it was a bit of a different experience um getting to read it in digital this time around uh all the issues back to back to back um came away with a a little bit more of a critical read this time um not like in like sort of like an unbiased like analytical take but actually more of a slightly um less rose-tinted glasses this time around Uh, i still love the book nonetheless i think i love it for different reasons um but i think when you read the issues back to back to back the plotting and pacing of course come under more of a uh, scrutiny because you're able to sort of contextualize the issues a bit better. Well, and that goes to the whole thing. If this was, if it was written for month to month, should you criticize it for not reading as well as a collected volume, or Buh. vice versa? Like that's, right. I don't think. I, I think uh, my bigger issue with this book was just that it was an image month to month, and because of that, there were, I believe, and God, this was like three years ago, so my brain might be wrong on this, but I think a couple of the issues got delayed, and there's a huge issue with reading um, a book month to month and then having like two extra months off and being like, fuck. Right. I don't remember it getting delayed. I also, though, was, that was a point in my life where I was going to my shop like once a month, so if it got delayed a week or two, I wouldn't have noticed, but... um I also read it in singles, then then read it as a trade, and it is one of those books that reads very differently in trade format. I feel like hmm. the suspense is much more dragged out, and I don't know. For me, it was more felt. Part of that, though, it's hard to say. Like, oh well, is that just because you didn't know it was going to happen next your first time round, right? So maybe, I don't, oh, of maybe. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, that sure. whole like you're you not coming to un- it remember things. new again. Yeah, exactly. So this is my first book that I ever had the singles in floppy and digital and then but went and bought the trade because i love this book the big thing is you're what they call a real fan (laughs) well no my thing was nobody i knew this was before i hung out with you guys no Uh none of my comic friends had read it or would read it unless i like got it and like put it in front of them and was like here read this thing Mm -hmm. because that's how we all got our each other to read stuff was like lending trades and so it was like 9.99 because image and so i was like you know what I will do that. And so then it just got passed around my friends for like a semester and everyone read it and it was the best. So. I want to I want to traumatizing that. people left and right. Yeah, exactly. Ad- I want to address this book being the best. Um, oh. Go oh, sit shit. in your corner, Mike. <laughs> Let me, should, should we talk about what this book is about yeah, first? So oh. That's, that's like probably split, true. That's probably split, a good split plan. Second. Yeah. Um, Nick, go ahead. Or Nick or Kate, you guys sure, can probably give a better sum up without any bias. Yeah, doesn't matter um, to me. Thoughts. Go for it, Nick. Uh, so we have a, a family, mother, father, daughter. 
Um, we know that they have recently moved from one location to another in search of some sort of a fresh start uh, for multiple reasons, the likes of which will be slowly revealed as the book goes on. Uh, it's the kid full is having spoilers, trouble at don't school. Worry. Yeah, et cetera. Well, I'm also trying to be a, a little brief to sort of cut oh, okay. through this a little bit before we get into it. And so the kid was having problems at school. We're attempting to resolve those issues. Uh, there are some personal issues, uh, demons in terms of the dad. Um, and of course, uh, you can try to move away from your problems, but this is a horror book. So naturally things uh, come back, uh, issues rear their head again. Uh personal issues, uh, inter-family inter issues, as well as some more fantastical um, outside issues involving creatures we know as uh, witches, but now it's uh, W-Y-T-C-H-E-S, witches, uh, creatures that seem to play by a different set of rules and uh, have different uh, ideas than the normal witches we know of, with broomsticks, black cats, cauldrons, uh, and things like that. Uh, these ones are a bit more fantastical, less human, more sinister, uh, and have a real fun uh, concept called pledging, uh, which we can get into later. Uh, and so, of course, things go from bad to worse as this family realizes that um, they may or may not have put that uh, awful past behind them. So, uh, I guess on a very brief level that would be um witches set up yeah i think that's a good pitch for the, for the book i had no idea that's what this book was about going into it like i said i i walked into it thinking it was just this horror book where i thought it was just going to be like these witches terrorizing people and instead it turned out to be like a story about this family which i didn't i didn't hate i actually i really enjoyed it i thought that the, the dynamic that they had where it was this father-daughter relationship and going back to the family, the family in comics, it, you know, episode that we had a couple weeks back. Um, I, I really enjoyed the way that Snyder drew out this familial relationship, um, mostly between a father and his daughter. Um, and I thought the book was going to get super like overly meta with the dad being a comic book creator, <laughs> um, because that that right, usually yeah, is yeah. what the the narrative skews towards when you insert Stephen a character King. like that. Yeah. Well and he did. He has said many times that this is some semi-autobiographical for him because he's struggled a lot with an anxiety disorder, and his son has an anxiety disorder. Yeah, yeah. And so he's definitely been that parent trying to help a kid with anxiety when there's not really much you can do, and trying to figure out when to push them and when not, and just feeling yeah, kind of helpless. With I, it. I have a feeling that Scott Snyder probably didn't get drunk and climb to the top of an abandoned Ferris probably wheel not. to try to teach his daughter probably that she can not. be brave. I um, do believe. Fill us in. I do. Can believe, be weird. though, we know. that he's gone inside of trees into these warrens and fought these mythical beasts. Yeah, that's definitely... I believe that in my heart. Much, I'm so. pretty sure I read something about that on Twitter. Yeah, um, yeah. CBR covered the- that exclusively, uh, I think, when this book <laughs> came out. Fake news. Um, no, <laughs> no, no I, I think that that's, that's very apparent. I thought that there was some... Some of the, some of the, I don't know, some of the messaging, or some of the things that the dad said, like the, the, his like worries and concerns, like felt too real in a lot of ways. Like I could feel that this was someone pouring their heart into a comic book. Like, you don't get that a lot of times until it's a real, actual, close to home story. And so some of the concerns, it was like this impossible situation this dad was in to say, I just want her to be brave. I want her to know that everything's going to be all right and that she doesn't have to be so nervous. But how do you get someone to understand that? Because telling them is not the way to do it. Like, telling them, right. you're brave, you're going to be fine, is not how someone gets out of this funk of 
anxiety or depression that this that his daughter was in and i i mean it was it's very like heart wrenching rationalize with the irrational yeah, yeah. It, it's not even rationalizing with the irrational it's just that's not how you help someone in general with, with right. dealing with yeah. these types of these types of problems. Um, well, I thought that was like a very interesting traumatized, like at her old, like the yeah. whole intro that like she was being really violently bullied. bullied yeah, bullied and... to the point where she brought a knife to like threaten. See, I this thought other that was like with. a fantastical dream sequence or something. So at first. did I. I was like, this is like taking it to like 12 this is like past 11 i was like is this like a like a reimagining or whatever and then later i was like oh my god i think that was actually 100 percent like how things actually played out yeah well, yeah Kids isn't have that rough. why they jesus move? christ like well wasn't that the because whole then of course the girl the, yeah. disappeared yeah, and that and was the main are saying, reason oh moved. sailor murdered he her, her or whatever her. Yeah, yeah yeah and so they're like we're getting out they here. never found a body so yeah, right. yeah exactly because pledged yeah. is pledged, um, folks. See, okay, yeah. you know what? Everyone is going like ape shit over as if it, it seemed to me like there was much more understanding of like the ritual in the world when I heard people talking about this book. But after reading it, I felt like we barely even touched the surface of it. Like we only got glimpses and pieces. And yes, I understand that's like the point of the narrative to make it super mysterious so that you don't understand everything. But um, like. To me, it, it totally made it horrifying, but going into the book, I thought you were going to get a full explanation of the world and everything that was in it, oh. but instead you had, like, the the bald woman whose name is escaping me, like, uh, Clara, I think her name was. Mm-hmm. Um, she, Something like she, that, yeah. she knew She knew a lot, but, like, understanding how that character spoke was really tough. I had to reread dialogue bubbles over and over to make sure I even understood what she was saying, and then to have, you know, the dad go like wait what are you trying to say to me like really like helped me get into the book and say like okay i'm not the only one that's confused here um yeah and even even in the end is that character went and hung herself you know like it was still like what the fuck just happened why did he what there were so many unanswered questions which of course lends to the confusion he's about to die yeah that's what i thought i was uh that's the real flip right there like and i also thought that this book was only a four issue series so by the time that moment happens in the book I'm like, how is he going to wrap this up in another issue? <laughs> yeah. Only to find out that there were three more, not one more. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, more. I guess mo- most horror books of this particular flavor of horror aren't. They're they're all confusing like that. That, that that's kind of the point, right? It's the horror of the unknown, the suspense and fear of trying to figure out what's what's going on with this horrific kind of situation and that's not just comics that's like the way these movies and books work too oh, right? totally so totally. that's that's totally like i guess what i expected going into it because i do do like these and have read and watched and all that stuff a bunch a bunch of them um i think i really like when you're figuring out a mystery and you know what the or maybe just a tiny bit more than the main characters do and so you're kind of solving it with them. Right. Um, and so I think that book, that, that that kind of falls into what we're doing here. I think there was elements early on where I was confused. Not so much confused, but like you're wondering if you can trust Sailor as a narrator. If she, Is she an unre- unreliable narrator or not? Mm-hmm. Are these things she's remembering and seeing and that we're getting from her perspective uh, true or not? You know, you see her parents doubting her and telling her, oh, that's all you're, yeah. you're just, you're just basically in shock. 
and um then traumatized. you sort of wonder if you're like being unfair right you know exactly I mean? which is like the parents are the f- which is i great, thought was actually. so beautifully evoked exactly like how do you know when you're being awful not to believe someone versus yeah this would be not an unrealistic situation um for someone to be having these kinds of problems from that aren't reality you know what i mean so I, that's where when i was th- feeling when i think back to like oh when i was confused i'm like yeah that was definitely it but i thought it was in a good way if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah there was and i there I, was I think someone that that's true oh, so i was gonna throw a quote here because i think it fits i think it, ryan from the group said snyder's writing along with jock's artwork creates a complex cinematic feel the story jumps seamlessly back and forth through time with carefully placed dialogue boxes tying things together which i think kind of goes along with what you were saying kate that like we we weren't sure if we were able to believe things that were flashing back and forth but i think Mm -hmm. that like they still they strung everything together to make that all work yeah um i had some minor issues and i think it was more so as the book escalated and the paint spatter got more intense that sometimes you would have that like transition panel, you know, where it would switch from past to present, present to past. And of course, Snyder likes to do this and it's fine because it works a lot of the time. He'll use caption um, blocks or bubbles that effectively work for, they work for both the present and the past Mm storyline. Like it's a, it's a bubble that works for both. Um, And sometimes the image that would be used to like jump from one scenario to the next was like so obscured with paint and everything and like this is the image you're supposed to settle on before the transition and i would be like what the fuck am i looking <laughs> yeah, at that's and i don't even mean like i can figure out an outline or like i can clearly see that it's a tree but i'm still kind of confused no it's like i have no idea what this is yeah it looks great put it on put it in the modern art hall at the moma and it will probably be great but I mean, I'm just totally. You're not supposed to know what you're looking at, though. That's the maybe I'm not supposed to know. uh, But that's. But I feel that's like that's what you're supposed to feel about modern art, right? I mean, like you're not supposed. That was the one thing that like rubbed me the wrong way about this book, and I think that Jock's art is incredibly polarizing for me in some ways. For instance, like his book that he did with Andy Diggle called uh, Snapshot, I really enjoyed. There was a lot of chaos in that book. But I definitely yeah. knew it was happening all the time. But you know, that's were... exactly what came to mind for me too, Mike. I was like thinking, like this is basically snapshot, but you're removing all of the like muddying layers and confusing shit. Yeah, and um, he, I mean, which again, Jock definitely has its place in this book. Yeah, but... I mean, Jock definitely had a like. I think Nick, you had a comment about it. it was interesting to see Jock do more of a like normal style in some places where he had to draw mm-hmm. like the dad, you know, at at a bookstore or something like that, which is a very calm like scene. A... And, yeah. But when he was when he would get crazy when they were in the forest, uh, there were times where and I read this digitally and I read it through the guided view. There were a lot of times where I had to pull out of the guided view to look at the whole page to even understand what I was actually seeing. Like maybe this book really isn't meant for guided view, and therefore you have to get the whole page to understand it. But there were some scenes really where even when I was yeah. reading in full page, I was like, "What the fuck am I looking at? Like, is that a person? Is that a tree?" And I know maybe that's point mm-hmm. that's part of the confusion, but I I was very like, like lost it sometimes just i mean to add on to your point and i think that there were parts in this book where jock really nailed the feel a lot of the violence a lot of the angles that he used to, to like 
place people in positions of power in the panel and things like that were really well done but in in any of the times where they were under the tree or you saw a bunch of the witches at once it was like is that a face is that a body is, is that part of the tree is that the monster is it moving like did it turn its head like i had no idea like what these things actually were um even when we were supposed to be getting a clear shot of them so and, uh, maybe so, that's just me well okay so first of all it's not just you guys. This is, book is definitely like 50-50 on the art on the Goodreads discussion group. And I feel like this happens every time there's a more distinct, non-traditional art style. Totally. Where you either really, really like it or really, really don't. Uh, Ross said that from the Goodreads group said, the artwork for me got a little hard to follow. I know this is a terrible thing to say and it was all for effect and enhance the horror theme. But as someone who focuses more on the text and uses the artwork to enhance, it did very little to draw me in. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is that you wanted more con- more context from the art. Well, and especially in places where you're supposed to get a big reveal. Like, there were moments where, mm. especially under the tree later, when, you know, the dad was down there and there was a bunch of witches chasing them. I wanted to be able to clearly see them. I wanted to take in that horror that was scaring that, them so poorly, or scaring but, them so much. But the horror is that they're hidden in, in this and that, and that you they're obscured, and that these people... Ugh. I think there's yeah, a saturation think, no, there's point that for like did, tension and atmosphere, and they hit it, and then they like went too far. See, I think like, to me the hectic and disorienting art from Jack and Hollingsworth really heightened the sense of confusion and panic and dread in the supernatural scenes. And I thought the strategically placed splashes were especially effective at evoking that like brilliant and dazzling and like dizzying tension, where. You're trying to see and you're trying to get a grip, but you can't, but you can't, but you can't. And that's where it it just so put me in the story for where Sailor and her dad are at Mm -hmm. with trying to grasp this whole situation, trying to get a a footing on what's going on, what's happening, what's what these things are and what to do next. And you can't and you can't see what's happening and you can't like and that whole thing. And so either that effect worked for you as a reader and you were like wow this is insane how well this throws you into the into their shoes or you're like you guys where you're like well i wanted this to be a more standard comic book where i could see in each pane well, what was happening no no no, no. <laughs> i think that's the thing i think it's something that you mentioned jj abrams lens flare yeah. and i think it's exactly like that in the sense that there was a point of no return where it got to be too much and it got relied on too much to the point that it started hurting otherwise like perfectly good panels like as t- as a form of tension as a form of atmosphere as a form of obscuring things um as a form of adding some level of frustration and disorientation i understand what it's doing i appreciate it you for its aesthetics it and i think it's little. effective there's just like a fever pitch point um where especially with some of the more like domestic normal scenes where it's like like I get what you're doing with this and you get what you're doing with this <laughs> so let's not go too overboard uh, there were points where it was 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 fantastically used um i mean well but yeah there were yeah, there are moments where, where so, sailors running through the forest and it's super overwhelming and like i think that works yeah. because at least i can make out sailor Right, I can understand mm-hmm. where she is in the chaos, and seeing everything around her is very chaotic, and she's lost, and she's like, I don't like, and she's saying, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know where I am, um, but like 
there there is a to me i think there's a moment where you need to reveal the bad guy you need to be able to see that alien in the in the caverns you need to you you know some i'm thinking of like other horror movies where you finally see the enemy and it's just terrifying and but the enemy in the book isn't the witches themselves it's the horror of your neighbors that are like the witches don't do anything without you being uh, pledged sure and so the whole see, the real scary part yeah. and the whole point of the book is the scary thing of what people will do to each other you know what I mean? Like, what people will do to get these benefits. And what would you do? Who would you pledge? Like, that's the horror. That's why there's not this big monster reveal, right? Because the point isn't the monster. Um, the monster see, for is me, your it's neighbor. actually, it's like a two-hit combo. I think it's really effectively doing both, which is the horror theme of, A, human beings are garbage. They're the most terrifying thing out there we're going to prove it to you. They're more scary. They're scarier than anything else possible. Mm-hmm. End of story. And I think this book does that. But I think this book also tries to go for the traditional horror thing of, guess what? There is something more terrifying than humans out there. And they're working with humans to make things worse. And they're fantastical and they're grotesque and they've got rules that don't apply to, you know, human reasoning mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. Um, so I found it interesting because I think the book is tr- having its cake, you know, um, whatever that saying and is. And eating about, it too. You know, eating having it your too. cake and eating it too. I think it's trying to do both. And I think it does both pretty well, actually, in, in my mind. Yeah. Um, well, to me, I mean, that's that's why I liked that there wasn't the big focus on this big, really distinct monster reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, again, it's so 50-50, not just on a Goodreads group, but if you read discussions of the books anywhere, either this worked for you or it didn't, and you see that all over. So yeah. we had Daniel who said, Jack's art brings this uncertainty and confusion that play along perfectly mm-hmm. with the story Snyder is trying to tell. And then at the same time, we also have Jamie who said the horror elements only distracted me from the story that really grabbed me, the relationship between the family members. Like, they're so, this book is so polarizing, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, certain parts either really work for you or really don't. And, like, I get what you guys are saying, that you don't, like, completely dislike it, but... um, but yeah, it, it really seems like one of those books. And I feel like that's true. Not just, it's not even like, oh, this is specific to witches. This is how any book that's not a really standard comic to, seems to turn out. is totally. like people are either really into it or really not. Before we move, I feel like we should move to writing. But before we go there, I wanted to re- mm-hmm. read Alex's um, comment, which I think really sums it up. As he said, I love the angles that Jock takes in framing reaction shots from characters. It always makes them seem much more honest than just the straight-on shot. And the coloring lent a wonderful unease to the story that really aided in providing a foreboding feeling to feel to the area and environment. And like, regardless of how you feel about everything else, I think we all agreed that the like the framing and angles are just cool. The way Jock shows yeah. power dynamics that way and atmosphere that way. God, he's good. I mean, and if we didn't even really touch on the colors too much, but I think the coloring well, in this book was pretty spot on. I mean, yeah, we Collingsworth t- do yeah. all the flares and stuff. I, I mean, I think he, he was did, responsible but responsible for all that. Yeah, the, yeah but the I think rather. there were there were moments where we we're looking at Sailor in like like very plain rooms, and she's got that red thing on her neck, like in the swimming scene mm-hmm. where she's coming out of the pool and she's got like this eye is like looking out of her neck, like. Oh man, like the the way that they did that to make it so just apparent in the panel, like that everything else was just very like washed out except for that. I thought that was really cool. Like the 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 amount of like the the red color they used for blood in this book was was 
insane. I don't, I don't know what it was, but it always, like, no matter what scene it was in, it always really stuck out. Like, you knew there was blood somewhere. Um, yep. I thought that was really what cool. What did you guys think about the use of the Ben Day dots? Did you like it or not? Uh, it was, in some scenes it was really distracting, in other scenes it really added to the mystery, like this, the suspenseful atmosphere, like walking through the forest where you saw that wash over right. things worked in some panels, but then it didn't work in others. Like in the, the more chaotic scenes it didn't work, I don't think. In the domestic scenes, it was really jarring for me That's because I, obviously yeah. you, you've got the Bende dots with a brighter color palette, and so it like really stood out. And then, of course, I think if you look at Jock's more traditional work, which I guess you could say is frequently Batman-ish, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's Bende dots, but it's with a black or a dark blue or a gray. Um, I actually didn't mind it with the domestic stuff because it actually, for me, sort of gave it like a film grain kind of pulpy feel. In a way. Oh, that may have been um, the point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope. I hope because that's what I got out of it. Between that and like the splashes, it sort of felt like you were watching like a, in some ways, like an old '70s like horror movie where like the reel has like you know the frames are sort of like worn or they've got you know defective sort of. Um, I don't know. It felt very like physical. It to felt me, very cinematic to me. I think the way you're describing it as a film is really spot on and i thought having that kind of washes in both um the more supernatural and the more domestic scenes kind of tied them together for me and carried the horror over from one into the next and i i mean a lot of that is how snyder writes it like you were saying he does this in a lot of his books where he'll use like a quote that continues into the next scene that you've moved to even if you're moving back and forth in time and stuff like that and i don't know these guys we've, we've talked a lot about the art but man, the mm-hmm. two of them combined are so so good, and the end result I feel like is better than either one of their contributions. Or any, I say either one, that's terrible. All three of their contributions. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it's one of those comics where I lo- I liked what all three of them did, but then when you put it all together, it's better better than any of their individual work. Right. And that's not often how I feel about books. Frequently, I'm like, well, the writing was really solid, but the art wasn't, or vice versa. And I know, again, like this was a really polarizing book for a lot of people. So a lot of people were like, yeah, I really dug Snyder's writing, but I wasn't into the art or vice versa, Mm -hmm. Um, where people were like, the art was awesome, but man, Snyder, I don't know. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) surprising because I I, I don't understand how you couldn't like the way that Snyder wrote this book. Um, all, all, All criticisms aside, I think that the like familiar relationship, like obvious, like I'm always sucked into that, like in a hardcore way. But like the the way that this dad like just so desperately cared about his daughter, like and he mm-hmm. wanted to do everything in a for her, painful way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it was it was a, amazing. Like I yeah. I haven't read a book like this in a long time that really like tugged at those heartstrings like that. Ben from the Goodreads group said one of the things that Snyder does really well is paint a loving relationships that are believable and that don't feel forced. And I think that is so spot on and it's not just like it's the relationships he builds up and that's the again where it like it's not just his writing that does that but the art with the facial expressions and the body language towards each other is huge in these scenes between sailor and her dad especially Mm -hmm. but then man with dialogue when you're talking just writing i love that he writes teens that don't talk in weird teen slang constantly (laughs) like that don't feel super forced like i love runaways but not every teen calls their parents rents like we can (laughs) rents as in the rents Rents. are coming home um nick still does that he when we talk he's like i'm going over to the rents 
I'm yep. going over the parentals. Well, Case, case in point, thirty-year-olds <laughs> say it, but Nick's not. one of those uh, one of those teenagers. hip young teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's hip. Hello, He's, fellow youth. That's exactly, exactly. Um, so but that's I what guess, I mean. Like it's so like it doesn't feel forced at all. It's like you don't even notice it, which is exactly the point, right? Right. Yeah. So I guess we we should probably try to wrap up here, so we don't go on forever about this book. I guess what did you both think of you know ultimately of the end of this book? This is my first read. You both read it a couple times at this point. So ultimately, like, what are what do you feel about the end about this or of this book? Because I I thought it was like hot fuzz, but way darker. <laughs> I I can't believe you guys don't want more because sandwiches are coming. I know. <laughs> Trademark Tia. <laughs> You know, reading it a second time uh, and and reading that ending a second time, God, I felt like the way that they used his sort of um, book release party or or presser or whatever you want to call that, uh, or I guess a public reading is what it, I I don't know what it was exactly, but um, using that to sort of end cap the book. I felt gave it a really strong emotional wrap and a real good sense of closure that in a lot of ways it was sort of that really good feel where you're like, you know what, this was really, really, really a great way to end this book. I don't I don't know, not so much like I don't know what you would do with volume two because logistically there are definitely doors, plenty of doors opened for what you would do with volume two. It's just that I don't know if, and I know this is super snooty, but I don't know if you want to mess with the wonderful reputation that the the first book has now, oh, that's or sort always of mess with that sense of any series, that sense of closure, that so that good. real yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it has such a good ending specifically. Even it's not even so much that the work overall was such a, of of such a good quality. It just has a good ending that really leaves to the imagination. Well. Um, Here's my hot take fan theory. You got it here first, kids. So we've only gotten snippets on the internet, unless there's been some big breaking news that I missed. Like, which which is continuing has been thing that's being said for like a billion years now, and just keeps not happening. Um, and now you're gonna have to buy Image Plus for it. <sighs> what? Uh, let's no no. Let's not get into yep. that. Let's not get okay. into that today. Yep. So. Anywho, um, it's set in the desert. I'm wondering if, like, you have that perfect rap on Sailor's story, but now we're seeing someone else's interactions with them in a... More anthology-based. Yeah, Mm. in the desert instead of the forest. Yeah, Um, which would make sense if it wasn't for the fact that she seems to be herself heading for the desert, so... yeah. Hmm. Yeah, where I, I like your idea. I just unfortunately don't think that trajectory is where it naturally is going. But um, but how do they end up in the desert? Well, there's no trees. Like that. That's the idea, right? Like go to the place with that's no trees. That's why you're supposed to oh, go right, there. Oh, right. That's um, why they're moving. No trees. I yeah. forgot that they're moving at the end. Where the Irons family yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you're for right. Me, it's probably going with the same story. I forgot that they were moving at the end. Well, the the well, just she is. Yeah, just yeah. so so at the end, Sailor runs away, and he and her dad tells her, you know, go find the irons where there, you know, there are no trees, um, or at least that was implied because that's what the old woman said to him um, before mm-hmm. she died. She said, the, you know, where's the safest place? This is the place with no trees? Um, yeah, but the end, the end for me, like I think to, I I kind of agree with Nick. I don't think that there needs to be more, but I think that you could definitely flesh the you could flesh the world out by yeah. telling another story about 
other types of witches. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you do this over three volumes and then you finalize it all in one big story that ends the whole thing or does something. I don't know. You do this like alien versus predator style where you've got four stories that line up and then <laughs> at the end you wrap it up. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys don't feel like you need more because, man, who knows if we'll ever get it. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, but it's all this. <laughs> yeah, what a great position to be. <laughs> but it's one of those books where if there is more, I would probably read it. But if there isn't, I'm satisfied with what I got. Yeah, you know, this book didn't too. leave me wanting so much of like more of this story that I was like, how can there not be a volume two? And instead, I was very satisfied with the way it, with the yeah. way it turned out there wasn't a big cliffhanger which is where you're like what do you mean there's not volume two right right so yeah no it was a it was an excellent wrap if anything else yeah so i mean overall then recommendations i mean what do you what do you what would you how would you tell someone to read this book or how would you get someone into this book if you liked it or didn't like it i mean my big thing is do you like horror comics well, read the best horror comic. Read witches. <laughs> Do you okay. not like horror okay. comics? Well, you're gonna. <laughs> I see. I see. Interesting. I, I think the weakness and strength of pitching this book to people is that from the outside, it superficially looks like a traditional horror book. But on the inside, it definitely offers something for everyone from like family issues to, you know, you know, current, you know, social issues about how to deal with, you know, trauma and, and mental health and, and bullying in schools and, 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 and oh, absolutely. And, and yeah, and, and, and addiction um, and, 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 and stressors from all certain areas. And the book does tend to, like I said, it offers something for everyone. If you want a traditional horror book, um, you'll find some of that there. I think the hesitancy in suggesting the book is that, if you come into it wanting one of those things and you're not down with the other stuff, you're going to be like, oh, it's not a normal horror book. Or if you came here for like the drama and the family dynamics, you're going to be like, oh, those monsters are so stupid. The book was so great until the monsters showed up. <laughs> so I think if you come into this knowing that it's kind of a mix, it's yeah, it's more it's more than one angle that it's 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 more than whatever your entry hook is as long as you know that and you're okay with that i I think it's a great complex book that um you know slices across different genres and 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 goes from the fantastical to the terrifyingly realistic um in terms of the different issues that it addresses i mean in reality how i've pitched it has always just been like hey you like scott snyder right here's more scott snyder yeah. yeah like that's that's really all it usually takes then if they're like oh i like him but i don't like jock it's like i'm leaving like, i don't <laughs> yeah. know where i am i'm just leaving i'm going away i get it he's polarizing that's fine that doesn't keep me from being upset with the fact that people don't like him uh yeah so if I- you guys want to hear more which is discussion head to the back catalog back issue bin is that what we call our back issues yeah sure back episodes and go back and listen to our mini-sode we did on this topic tia and i did a mini-sode way back then on it yeah yeah and and of course you know you can always join the goodreads group and comment and then have your comments read on the show if we if we feel like your your words are worthy no that's not true i think we like (laughs) grab something from almost everybody um and it you know the goodreads group this is where you can go and vote you can go and discuss with other people that are involved in our group and we're we're really close to 200 people in the group and i think for the 200 join so we hit that number if we hit 200 i think i'm gonna do a comic giveaway i think that's what's gonna happen that's 
I'm going to win the giveaway. <laughs> we'll actually do a 200th giveaway for non-podcasters. Um, Fuck it, I'm not the show. Uh, so so go make sure to join that. Go make sure to you know do all the things and follow us on Twitter on IRCB Podcast. Go to the website, listen to all our back issue episodes, ircb.us. Follow all of us on Twitter. Nick is at Death Star Plans, which is spelled really weird, so just look in the show notes. Kate is at Kate Scotchless, and her last name is spelled really weird, so you're going to have to look in the show notes for that. I am at, I am at Mike Rappin on Twitter, so you can follow me there. His last name, My is, last spelled name weird, is spelled so weird. So it's I mean. not what you think. It's spelled weird. Um, so just go look in the <laughs> show notes for all this stuff. Nothing and, is what you think. Yeah, just, just you know, give us a review. Rate us five stars because we're fantastic, and we love you, and you love us. And, you know, if you rate us five stars, we'll rate you five stars in life um, <laughs> so thanks for listening to the smash that like button <laughs> make sure to subscribe to all your friends because we're the best comic book podcast out there so thanks for listening everyone we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to the i read comic books podcast this episode was produced by me mike rappin with editing by sander riggs Special thanks this week to Nick White and Kate Scotchless. The music in this episode is brought to you by the wonderful Infinity Shred. You can find Infinity Shred at infinityshred.com, as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. Now, I already summed up a lot of the credits at the end of this show, but I did forget some crucial points. I just want to say thank you again for listening to I Read Comic Books, and we love you. We'll catch you next time. So what I was saying about Beauty and the Beast. So <laughs> six pack of victories, Sour Monkey in. Um, well, I should say I finished three of them during the movie. Um, and I was already three in because I was watching Lucha Underground. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Kelly gets home and she's like, let's watch a movie. And so we watched Beauty and the Beast. And I like I knew it was going to be bad. Set the bar low. It was worse. And the reason why is because... In the animated movie, like, Belle gets portrayed, like, from the beginning, like, maybe she wants to give the Beast a chance a little bit. Like, she doesn't have a disgusted look on her face constantly when she and the Beast are both on screen. Uh-huh. And so when the when the shift changes in the movie, you're kind of like, oh, maybe she's just, you know, she was kind-hearted and now, like, she loves this guy, whatever. It doesn't make any sense anyways, right? Fucking Stockholm Syndrome, the movie. Yep. the musical. But, <laughs> which but, psychologically has been, I believe, somewhat un proven as a principle but carry on sure 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 <laughs> um let's go with popular psychology okay yeah just, yeah, move, yeah, yeah. just, just go yeah. with me yeah, but yeah. meanwhile emma watson play portrays bell is this like she's like way smarter way cooler way like everything you would want bell to be as a character and so when she shows up to the beast place she fucking hates him she's got a look of absolute malice on her face and it doesn't change and then all of a sudden she like eats some fucking tomato soup with talking candlesticks and teapots and floating fucking dustpans and like um all of a sudden she loves the beast and it makes no sense he does no he does nothing to really convince other than go yeah i got a library i guess and she (laughs) fucking loves him for that like that's my only thought is my only thought is that the reason why that scene changed her mind is because for once a man was not treating her like shit for wanting to learn and that she was like all right i can love you forever because you respect my my want to learn but otherwise the movie was terrible I I I, I just I can't believe it. Sorry, Disney. <laughs>
you can't believe it or you totally believe well, I, it? Well, I mean, I can believe it. I guess I can't believe, like, that Disney would take one of their well-loved, well-cherished, like, hugely famous animated movies and try to make a live-action version without doing anything that, right. That is their current, like, Yeah, that's all they do now. Right Let's now. just recycle I, everything. I understand that, but I'm still very mad about it. Okay. That's that's legit. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know if a library... I I love books. We all know that I have an undying love of books. Yeah, because an of that, entire Kate, library trap of you them in a fucking would castle. not make <laughs> me love a beast man. I'm sorry. Beast woman, maybe? <laughs> no, no. There's that animal component that's yeah, really absolutely. unsettling. Also, you could love no uh, beast captor. person. Captor. <laughs> right. He also was like, I'm going to kill your fucking dad for stealing one rose. You do not understand how important that rose is for no he's reason. Pr- he's principal. There's not a good reason. I just, Pr- next time you're a few beers in, like at least six, do yourself a favor and go okay. online and Google pre-CGI Beauty and the Beast to see the actor who plays the Beast in oh, all of the shots. It's hilarious. You'll thank me later. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Uh, so that was my Friday night. That's what it's I did. Up. And wow. Yeah. This is after I spent too much money on that image sale. Um, <laughs> it's a bad one. That's that's a bad one. And I, I think that's probably the best part about this show is that a lot of times we can talk about these terrible things and then the end result is, well, by the time you hear this podcast, that sale won't even be active. So yeah. like, we're saving Sorry. you. Like, we can yeah. talk about this, but you don't have to worry. It's a non-issue for you, really. I took the damage for you. Like, it's fine. I put I placed my body in front of this train for you. Um, the big thing is that it's just so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, you want any any image book ever, except, like, the most recent few months? Yeah, it's really interesting that I, I think the last big image sale, which I think was, like, that WonderCon one. Yep. you remember that? Like, yeah, it was that very one, similar. Yeah, except, like, that one allowed... That one was okay with imprints, but for some weird reason, this one is not, so... Yeah, it's uh, image specific. There's no Peter Pan's or there's no Shadowline books or Top Cow. It's like it's 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 like a like a like a veteran remembering an old war. I remember the WonderCon sale of February. <laughs> Those were bleak months. We thought we'd never make it through. And then I clicked yes, and then I drank more, and then I tried to forget how many zeros were on the end of that receipt. This feels um, like a story you're telling to your tax accountant at the this end is, of the this year, is, Nick. This is this is my new Ken. Exactly. This is my new Ken Burns documentary, uh, <laughs> a nine-part series on Nick White and Comicsology. But I was three beers in, and it was too late to stop. Comicsology, <laughs> the Nick White story. Nick White didn't know it at the time, but he was inadvertently supplying three percent of Comicsology's income. Annual Comixology revenue. was yeah was not about to provide him with this information lest he actually go see someone and actually seek help. Um, cut to montage of yeah. <laughs> uh, sepia cut to, tone cut photos. To actor, cut to actor recreation of Nick White at the therapist <laughs> with Nick White playing no, both parts. Nick White at the ATM machine getting declined. What? <laughs> Don't laugh. Hands that could happen air, later on today. Freeze. Yeah. <laughs> 